Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello and welcome back fellow Kitchen Table Theologians to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're always trying to place those theological cookies on the bottom shelf where we can all reach them. And we try to do this in ways that are very applicable to the lives we live, because the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. So Jeff, I'm going to throw out a super simple question for you today. Where did God come from? That's an easy one. You want me to... (laughs) That's like on my ordination interview, and Ravi Zacharias used to tell this too, and I was looking at my ordination uh, question, question. You know, we had to do a, at the end of two years, you had to do a, um, about a four and a half hour oral interview over 186 theological questions. Mm-hmm. Were they all as simple as that one? You know, oh, well, one of them from? is literally what, who or what is God, and then give examples yeah. How do you give examples of God? I never did get that. So where did God come from? Yeah, that's not going to throw me at all. Simple, simple question. It sounds like one of those questions that we all had as kids. And I oh, had sure. a ton of them, but I think there was a part of my personality, a part of my anxious personality that we've talked about before that I was kind of embarrassed to ask some of them. I mean, one of them, I'll be real honest, I was terrified of heaven for the longest time. And I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but we had this this traveling pastor come for this revival at our church. And it's northern Florida in the middle of the summer, outside in metal folding chairs in a tent. And the first thing he says when he gets up there is, oh, I'm just so happy because this is what heaven's going to be like. And I remember thinking as a kid, oh my goodness, I hope not. It's hot. I'm hungry. I'm miserable. But I never asked because he's the pastor. He's saying this. so Streets of gold and metal chairs. Oh my gosh. I never asked. So I just kept thinking, oh, I don't know if I really want to go. And I'm afraid to ask. So I think sometimes we have these big questions, but they're intimidating to even think about. So we're afraid to ask it. But I'm just going to ask it again. Where does God come from? Well, hello again, Kitchen Table Theologians. And Jen, yeah, that's a stumper. That's a hard question. And it's it's stumped the greatest minds since the dawn of time. But it's a really a wonderful question. I mean, it's one we ought to ought to ask. And I suppose it's difficult to grapple with because everything we know has a beginning. Everything has a beginning. I, I, I look out my window right now here at Low Country Community Church where we're recording today and see the cornerstone of that north building, and it has a date chiseled on it. What's the date? It marks the beginning of the church. It marks the beginning of uh, construction cornerstones or or, or whatever. We celebrate birthdays to mark our beginnings here on this Mm -hmm. planet. Some of us have had more birthdays than others. I mean, even the universe has, has a beginning. You know, when you were just saying the word grappling, I think about, you know, as we're recording this podcast right now, we're all still grappling our way through the the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic that it had a beginning. And now we're kind of living in this weird space where life is now marked by pre-pandemic and then, goodness gracious, what we hope 
will be the soon hoped for post pandemic. It's very much like the tribulation, which we'll study whenever we get to eschatology. There's pre tribulation, mid tribulation, and post tribulation. We're in mid we're in mid COVID nineteen right now, and we're hoping to get to post COVID. There's so many end of the end of the world correlations we could too, too many. <laughs> yeah, talk drive. about getting frightened. But I hear. I'm supposed to ask you, I don't, maybe it was your lovely wife, Darlene, that said, I'm supposed to ask you how your gardening skills have been improving during this time? Oh, my gardening skills have gotten a whole lot better during COVID-19. I planted myself on the couch at the beginning of March, and I've grown significantly since then. Oh, God. (laughs) All right, folks, I think it's going to be one of those days. I'm just warning you from the onset. I am really sorry to all of you that I asked that question. Can we get back on the topic now? (laughs) Yeah. As long as you laugh at it. I think we might might find some more of these coming out here in a little bit. All right, so back on topic. Everything has a beginning, and we want to make sure that that same application applies to God, right? Even right. if the universe has a beginning, doesn't that tell us that maybe God had a beginning? And kitchen table theologians, that's the question we will begin with as we begin a awesome. brand new I see what you did there. Series. Uh, see, I've got jokes too. Yeah, well, okay. Well, <laughs> as we begin a brand new series of podcasts on the person of God. For the next 12 podcasts, we'll examine these amazing attributes of God. And again, today we begin with God's self-existence. So you might be asking yourself, 12 podcasts on God's attributes? I mean, those of you who are nicer may be thinking, well, that seems like a lot. Uh, You know, I agree with you. It is a lot. But since we are seeking to go more in-depth in our study of theology— and since theology is the study of God, uh, we, we'd better have a good grasp of who God is. I find many Christians know a lot about Jesus. If you ask, most Christians will tell, you know, they can talk about Jesus. They'll know a little bit less, sometimes a whole lot less, mm. about the Holy Spirit. But when pressed, they have a hard time explaining what they really know about God the Father. And I think he is a topic, a subject that we think, well, God, I mean, mm-hmm. man, you know, of course. I'm, but once you get people past the concept of God being the father of creation and past the concept of God loving the world enough that he sent his only son, they then kind of run out of stuff to talk about. They mm-hmm. find themselves on pretty shaky ground because we might not really know as much about the father God as we think we do. And so we want to remedy some of that. Well, I'm really looking forward to jumping into this because we're going to be talking about and learning about God's self-existence, his immutability. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. That's a big word. That means it doesn't change. It doesn't change. He's infinite. This omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. 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 (laughs) Or omnipotent. I mean, however you want to say it. Well, you got it. Oh, my goodness. Holy, just as good, gracious, faithful, and loving, all of these amazing attributes. So let's begin today with the self-existence of God. Just what are we talking about there? Yeah, when when somebody uses phrases like the self-existence of anything, it sounds like something philosophical, something esoteric, something... You know, you studied and read about a philosophy 101, and 
it bored you to tears and you haven't thought about it since. And you haven't thought about it since on purpose because it bored you to tears. So, mm. But for those of us who believe that God truly exists, as the Bible tells us he does, and truly cares about his creation, God's self-existence really matters. And it, it matters if it exists within the teachings of the Bible itself. Once we get, you know, like anything, once we get outside of the teachings of Scripture, then we get ourselves into trouble. And Jen, you've got some verses there where we, we, we're going to see the self-existence of God in the Bible, and you'll read that those in just a second. But first, we, we better define what self-existence means when we're talking about God. So by God being self-existence, what we're referring to is that unique attribute of God by which He has existed eternally and he will always exist eternally. To say that God is self-existence, existent means he has no beginning, he has no end, no one created him, no thing created him, that he is without origin. Uh, some theologians say he is the uncaused cause. Mm. He exists all on his own. So you throw out that word origin because I think, you know, when we think of ourselves, we owe our, well, at least we think we do, we owe our existence to our parents. Sure. My computer owes its existence to the Apple employees that made it and a whole, you know, heap of subcontractors <laughs> along the way. My Prius owes its existence to Toyota. You drive a Prius. Oh, here we go with the Prius. If y'all don't know, he's got jokes about my car. <laughs> well, I'm just... Wondering if you know why owning a Prius is so difficult. I knew we were going to get into this today, but go ahead. Well, let, me, let me ask the question. No, Jeff, why is owning a Prius so difficult? Well, because it's hard to drive when you're patting yourself on the back all the time. Oh, my goodness. I am a responsible humanitarian, and I save money on my gas. And I've told you before, if I'll put it in the back of my truck and take it anywhere you want to go. But I, you know, I, I, I commend you for that. I really do. You're, you, you want to take care of the earth. And I've, I've been thinking about getting a Prius myself. And if I do buy one, I've already decided I'm going to put a bobblehead Yoda figurine on the dash. You know, Yoda from I Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And that way I'll have a Toyota in my Toyota. Oh, my gosh. You are all about the dad jokes today. You're supposed to save those first. <laughs> For your Thursday discussions for our church family, not our larger kitchen table community at large. That <laughs> These horrific jokes are going around the world just does my heart so good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're losing listeners by the second, those two of you that are still with us, we're going to help you get back on track. We have our own beginnings, and our earth owes its existence to God, who through whatever means and processes he saw fit, created the world. Yeah. And, okay, seriously now. Are you All, sure? Yeah. Okay. From good. here on, yeah. Okay. All events have causes. I mean, in our world, all, all creatures have been created, uh, except for God. God is the uncaused cause. He is the uncreated creator. And, and God did not depend upon anything outside of himself for his existence, nor will he ever depend upon anyone or anything for it, for it, so uh, of his existence. So, Jen... How about reading us a couple of those Bible verses that, that point us to God's self-existence? Sure. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is out of Exodus 3. And God 
defines himself or, or uh, identifies himself to Moses by saying, I am who I am. And, you know, we just finished um, four podcasts on the Trinity. And what, how did Jesus identify himself so many times? I am. Mm. I am. Why did he do that? Because he is God. I'm, I'm the door. I'm the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. So I, th- I think it's worth noting here, Moses, who wrote Exodus, Moses doesn't write about the origin of God, but about the origin of the universe. Moses assumed already the existence of God. Uh, Moses wrote the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. So we have the creation account there. And, and when he talks about his encounter with God, how, what does God say? I am who I am. And you think about the God of the universe and the immensity, the enormity, the magnanimity, the, the love, the grace, all of the things we can possibly say about God. And at least in our English language, when he identifies himself, he uses five monosyllables. Hmm. Hmm. It's pretty incredible. We can, we can look at, you know, look at that self-description of Moses. I am who I am. God doesn't defend his existence, but he declared it. And no one else, nothing else caused itself or themselves to exist. Everything, everyone has an origin except God. He is the only uncaused cause. So, Jenna, I think you got two more verses for us there. I do, and this one comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 92, 90, verse 2, to be exact. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth, and the world from the everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Yeah, so there you see he had no beginning, no end. He's always been. Mm-hmm. And from Colossians 1, 15 through 17, we see he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Yeah, I think the key there, he is before all things. So God is self-existent. Why? Because as God, he was not created. He has no source, no, no maker, no origin. Instead, he himself is the creator of everything else. God exists from all eternity, and God exists to all eternity. Uh, Scripture opens with, what are those first words? In the beginning, God. Mm -hmm. And he existed before time and space and matter and chance and however else we want to, whatever boxes we want to put things in. Okay. So... As I push back, as I sometimes do, to ask the question that, again, maybe people aren't asking because they're too embarrassed to ask, why does all this really matter? I mean, if God were not self-existent, would it really make any discernible difference to our everyday lives? And that, those are the questions we want to ask and answer here. So let's, let's consider the prophet Isaiah for a second as we start to wrap this up, because he gives us a lot of help in regard to why I think the self-existence of God matters because it does impact our lives. As you read through the 66 chapters of Isaiah, you'll see that God alone is God, that there is no other God. We read that in numerous passages. We read that God alone is creator. 
we read that God alone is Lord. We read that God alone is completely holy and righteous. We read God alone can be trusted completely. We read God alone can save us from our sins and forgive us. And this last one's a big one. God's word alone is true and based on who he is. Hmm. And that's out of Isaiah 45, 23. Where he tells us, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back, that to me every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. Gosh, I haven't, I don't think I've heard it in that context before. Yeah, we hear it in the Philippians hmm. um, uh, wording. The, the word there, you, you, you read, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness. So in other words, God's self-existence, and here's, here's where it makes a discernible difference to our lives. God's self-existence makes him the sole determiner of absolute truth. Mm. Now, no one wants to believe in absolute truth today, and they will tell you that all truth is relative, and they believe that absolutely. Mm. <laughs> They, it's Find so the irony true. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God's God's self-existence makes him the sole determiner of absolute truth. Truth we can depend upon, and that's and and here's where we get to the reason why God's self-existence really does matter to us. God is someone we can completely trust. God is always there. He will never leave us, never forsake us, the way others may do. And since He alone is completely holy and righteous. He sets the standard for holiness and righteousness and truth and justice. He's the only one who doesn't fail. He never has, never will default on a promise. He never runs out when trouble comes. He never lies. I like this one. He never dies. Uh, he provides us with everything we look for in the character of somebody that we can rely on. And that even extends to our great need to be completely forgiven. And perhaps the writer to the Hebrews summarized all that best in Hebrews chapter 6 when he concluded that our hope, our hope, he said, finds an anchor in God. Mm -hmm. And that's why the self-existence of God matters. He provides hope in the midst of a world that is so often rocked by relativism, confusion, hypocrisy, hatred, rejection violence, death. And, and think of this, Jen, as a, as a worship leader in our church. I think you'll like this. Being self-existent, God does not need us to worship or glorify Him. I mean, we love to do it. We do it. But He doesn't need us mm -hmm. to do that. And yet, out of His kindness and grace, He invites us, uh, we who have been created, to, to engage, to partake in, in worship. And if God was dependent upon others for his existence or his glory or his joy, then he really wouldn't be much of a God at all. And also, although this self-existent one does not need us for anything, he still willingly chooses to delight in us, in his, his creatures, the people he's created, even to the point, as Zechariah tells us in chapter 3, God sings over us. Mm. That's just so cool. And you're right. That is what speaks to me about worship, that idea that we we get to do that, that we get invited into his presence. One of my favorite visuals is, you know, at the the sacrifice of Jesus, that veil being torn into right. and giving us mm -hmm. that access, that type of a right. presence to be able to truly dwell with him because that is 
powerful. Yep. It's powerful. Well, again, as always, we hope these resources really, really do help you. Each week we add a new podcast resource for you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, we hope you head over to YouTube or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening from and hit subscribe. We're putting more and more resources up for your study, personal growth in God's word, and just overall grabbing those theological concepts and making them applicable to your life. Subscribing, make sure that you don't miss a thing. And if you leave us a review or rating, that will help us reach more and more people. Maybe today's podcast stimulated a question or two. As always, we love to hear from you. Next time, we'll devote another entire podcast to answering your questions. So just shoot us an email to pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. Ask that question, and then maybe tell us where you're listening from. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We'd love to get to know you and connect with you. As we wrap up today's podcast, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that our time together today has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. Our next podcast will be on the immutability of God, his unchanging nature. We hope to see you then. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.